Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Hey, welcome back to The Coaching Show. Gosh, I almost said my podcast title. Sometimes I get confused. This is Alex Terranova. I am here for Christopher McCullough. He is out today. I'm super excited to be here. I feel like I haven't been here in a while, and we have an amazing guest that is going to talk about books and publishing, and, and I'm really into this, having written my own book. Um, so if you don't remember me from two or three episodes ago, uh, Alex Terranova, the dreammason.com. I'm the author of Fictional Authenticity. You can grab that on my website or on Amazon. Also, I'm a co-author of Redefining Masculinity. And I'm actually really excited about the newest project I'm working on, which is called Your Love Adventure. You can check that out on Instagram, Your Love Adventure. The website is coming soon. But we are reimagining the way you can fall in love, create relationships, empower, you know, maybe being a new couple based on my Tulum uh, dating experiment, which if you've been listening to this podcast, you had to have heard things about that. So uh, before I keep going, let me introduce our co-host who, you know, he was here, I think last week, the week before, Craig, Cassie, how are you, man? I'm good. I just can't stay away, apparently. No, I but thank, back. but thank you because you know me, you, Christopher, we're all we all got a lot of stuff going on. Everybody's busy. It was the New Year's, the holiday, and thanks for covering for me. Now for him, that was always fun. It's my pleasure. What is I gotta ask you now because I haven't had this opportunity. What's the what's the best part of being here with Christopher, and what's the worst part? We're not gonna tell him that I asked you this. Ooh, he might, oh, he might hear I mean, it, do you think he actually listens to these, <laughs> or he just gets the show notes after the fact? He's the star, say. you know. The star doesn't watch their own show. <laughs> the best part, he actually gave me the highest compliment he's ever given me last week. I was really touched. I wish I could tell you exactly what it was, but it was the first time I felt like he really saw me. So that I'm grateful for. That was the highlight. It's been fun growing our relationship for sure. And the worst part is he's not you, Alex, but uh, <laughs> he's awfully close to filling your shoes. You're too nice. You're way too nice. That's, that's <laughs> the difference between you and him. Um, if people want to know more about you, you're an executive life, life, business, and sex coach, right? From the boardroom to the bedroom. It's probably one of the best catchphrases I've heard. Um, we do it all. We bring the being everywhere. So, and on Instagram, Craig C A S S E Y Junior, and then your website is Craig C A S S E Y dot com. No Junior. Yeah. You're 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 grown up on the website and on Instagram. You're still the Junior. It's true. You know, we might go into rebranding there one day, but it's what was available. I've chosen and empowered it. So if you want to find daily tidbits, coaching nuggets on improving your relationships, on having juicy adventures in your business with more time off and more ease, as well as just abundance, follow me on Instagram. You'll get fun daily quotes, commentary, and some really good Instagram lives. You might laugh, you might cry, but you will definitely learn something and grow along the way. Before I introduce our guest, what are you most excited about for 2022? Ooh, I mean, for a minute, it was your 40th birthday, <laughs> which we talked about last week, so happy belated. 
Um, and you. beyond that, I just saw a place where I feel like I've done so much work and I have so much space now that uh, I'm actually healing some really deep uh, wounds from before that I didn't think I realized how much they impacted me. So that's like one of the most exciting things is that now in space where I could do this work and it feels like it's supporting my ascent to even more the life that I want, as opposed to trying to heal the thing that feels like it holds me back. So that's actually exciting for me. It's less uh, the trips I'm going to be taking. You know, we'll be doing Paris and Barcelona for three months, and that will be amazing. But I'm excited to finally bring some real tender hands to some some past childhood stuff, so that I really get to be free in the future. There's a lot of uh, a lot of touching references here. Tender hands. Christopher said something that touched you. <laughs> this is a theme. Hopefully, uh, this will not keep going. All right, let me introduce our guest. So. Our guest is a New York Times bestselling author. Um, she is was a Pulitzer Prize candidate. I don't know if you say is or was, but just to have Pulitzer Prize in with who you are and what you do is, I mean, it feels like the pinnacle. Uh, she's the founder of Brown Books Publishing Groups. She's known as the entre entrepreneurial publisher for the entrepreneurial author. She's also known as one of the first, or she is one of the first hybrid publishers. Her company is the second fastest growing independent publishing house, and they do everything, PR, marketing, branding, digital, creative. I think this, I needed this when I wrote my book. I didn't know that I, these things existed. Millie Brown, thanks for being here. How are you? Thank you, good morning. And just for the record, I am the original, I'm the first uh, what they're now calling hybrid publisher. I, and the reason I go back to that is I'm going to tell you 28 years ago, um, and I'm sure the two of you don't know, but the only way that you could publish a book was you had to get a literary agent and you had to convince the literary agent that they could sell your book and your book was wonderful and it was going to be a bestseller. Uh, and if you couldn't do that, then your book never was published. It was just that simple. And um, I came along in 1994 and um, my progression was, I actually had another company doing books, but my passion at the time was family histories. So I started a company interviewing people and doing books about their life. And because I just, you know, I think when you start losing people in your life or people start passing away, you start real realizing how valuable their stories are. And once they're gone, those stories that used to drive you crazy, you think, golly, granddad, if you tell me that story one more time, I'm going to scream. But once they're gone, you would give anything to hear that story again. So I would go out and interview people and capture their stories and do these wonderful heirloom books and became very, very successful. I was way before, I mean, there wasn't an internet. So that, that was, uh, I was the first um, family historian in the country to, uh, to really go out and um, capture people's histories. And that's how I ended up getting into publishing because people started calling me and saying, you know, my grandfather told me to, uh, to, to call you because you published his, um, his memoir. And uh, he told me you could help me with my children's book. And I thought, hmm, 
uh, you know, that's really sweet that grandfather uh, has such confidence in me, but I don't know anything about children's books. You know, I'm doing leather bound heirloom pieces and it's like children's book. I don't think so. So I, I started calling New York uh, because back in the day before the Internet and it just sounds so weird. I feel like a, I feel like a dinosaur saying these things. <laughs> it's like, was that was that really possible that there was no Internet? Yep. Because uh, you, I remember the yellow pages. The yellow pages was um, how you, you know, that was your first. Uh, that was like googling. You googled the yellow pages, and then you had to pick up the phone. You had to call, and then you had to actually talk to people oh because they would they would answer their phone because there was no technology where they knew who it was. If they wanted to find out, they had to answer. And so I would call all of these. Um, all of these uh, publishers in New York, because that's all I knew about publishing. It was in New York. And I wanted to get a name for people, someone that I could refer all these people to that were calling me because they weren't publishing and I just made books. And um, I really didn't, uh, I didn't get any good uh, information or any referrals. But when I had a gentleman that showed me a traditional publishing contract and that was that was what turned everything around because the first time I saw a publishing contract and I read it and I said um you know I'm just having a hard time with this I said because nobody would sign it and he said why do you say that and I said well you know let's just start with the fact that I read it and I said the author loses all of the rights um, they don't make any money. And, you know, here I am, this is my intellectual property. Any people should understand intellectual property is very valuable. And so you're having to give up your intellectual property. You have no control over anything. You have no say, so they can just do whatever, put your name on it. And there you go. It's off and running. Um, and I said, just, I just, nobody would sign it. And he said, well, you're so wrong because everybody signs it. And that's when I, I had to, I, I just couldn't understand. And of course I had to ask him, why would anybody sign it? And he said, because they have no choice. And that was the operative word, um, choice. And I thought, choice, are you kidding me? This is the United States of America. We have choice about everything. We have choice about ice cream. We have choice of the cars we drive. We have choice about the dry cleaners. They have no choice. It's this their way or the highway. And he said, you know, pretty much, yes. And that's, you know, after the conversation, I went away and thought, um, I, I, just, I just don't understand it. Um, because I'd always heard of publishing, but I really didn't know the dynamics of the, the, how it actually worked and came together. Of course, I've been in a million bookstores, but I didn't know the dirty little secret is these authors were not being treated, um, it's not even close to fair. And I'm talking about new authors. Once they've established themselves and everybody knows they're going to sell a million copies, well, yeah, they get, they get fair deals. Um, so... I came up with the idea that, you know, I've already got the infrastructure. I have editors and writers and designers and proofers, and I could help an author have a book. So I originally started out helping authors self-publish. I just gave them a book. And then when I saw them time and time and time again, run head first into a brick wall, and they would call me up a, a month later and say, Millie, what, 
you know, what can I do? You have any ideas what else I could do with these books? And I said, no, you know, I do, this is not what I do. I was just trying to, I thought you knew what you were going to do. And then I found out that this is a tough industry to break into. And the only way that an author is going to be successful, they have to have a publisher. They really do. And uh, so I thought, do I want to be that person? And uh, I was like, yeah, I think I, I would like being a publisher. Um, and so that was 1994. I, um, I basically trademarked a new era in publishing. And I, I spun off Brown Books Publishing Group. And I said, I'm going to do exactly what Random House does. I'm going to publish just, they're going to be my role models. The only thing different is I'm going to charge for my services. And when the books sell, I'm going to give all the money to the author. So just on the face of it, I'm going to get people that really believe in themselves, that I don't have to, I don't have to spend that much time coaching them. They're still going to have to have some coaching, but they have to be confident in the product they have. And I'm going to build around them. I'm going to bring my expertise. And if you'll think about it, it's the same way when you go to an attorney, you hire them for their expertise, and then they guide you and hopefully get you whatever it is that you want. But you're not telling them what to do. You're just, you know, or your doctor or your CPA, any other professional. Uh, and that's what I invented in 1994. And of course, I, uh, with my chutzpah, I went to New York and I, I told everybody at a book expo conference, publishing conference that I was a publisher and of course they told me right back that I wasn't a publisher and I couldn't be a publisher and that's not how publishing is done and so that's why I said I'm, I'm really territorial when it comes to I was the first one because I got beat up by everybody in everybody I talked to uh, just wanted to put me the little blonde lady from Texas in her place because she obviously doesn't understand that how publishing is done because she's doing it all wrong and uh, it wasn't that I was doing it wrong it was I chose to disrupt the publishing business model because I didn't like it. And I think if you really look at entrepreneurs, most people will tell you that an entrepreneur is not necessarily an, uh, an inventor. They tweak things, they, they see things differently and they look to change that what already exists. And it wasn't rebellion, it was just, I didn't, I didn't like the business model. I didn't think it was fair to authors. And I wanted to work with authors to help authors be successful. And I knew that as long as I was honest and I worked hard and I helped authors be successful and I didn't publish just anything because I was charging for my services. Of course, people would think, you know, it was like when, you know, it's like a good attorney, when you go to a good attorney, uh, if he doesn't think he can win your case, he should not take your money. Uh, and if he does, he's not going to be getting that five or $600 an hour for too long. And I knew that my, my future depended on my selectivity and then working like hell to help my authors be successful. So now, Millie, you really sound like the people's publisher through and through and through. Well, thank you. I, I like that. I'm writing that down. You can take it. <laughs> okay. Um, I will yes. send you my hourly rate. This is a <laughs> uh, Hey, I, I love it. It's a deal. Uh, no, but it's, you know, I, I guess I struggle a lot with the fact that I 
you know, people that I work with in the world don't necessarily, um, they don't champion me and my cause. I mean, they, they provide the service and then I pay them and then they, you know, uh, hopefully they don't forget my name, you know, it's just, but I, I really, uh, authors are um, people who have written something. And I'm not going to say just authors because authors are, um, and I used to kind of, kind of snicker in the early days because I thought I'm not necessarily publishing for for authors, for writers, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm publishing for people who happen to have written something, but they've never had a creative writing course. Um, they um, really don't know anything about this, this world. Whereas the traditional publishers in New York are publishing um, in large part, especially 30 years ago, for people who have um, grown up to be a writer, they, they, and to be, and th that's how they kind of got away with these egregious contracts, because to be, to have made it, to have arrived, meant you got a contract. So they didn't really look at the, the money the way a business person would. The first thing I went to was how much you can make, you know, going, doing, the, doing the numbers. And it's like, what? This is, no, no, I'm not going to, you know, for my end, I'm not, I don't like being insulted. And if mm -hmm. I have something that has value, I want my fair share. Uh, and that wasn't really happening. It, it, at least that was what I saw from the outside looking in. Then I started going to conferences and talking to authors, all kinds of authors. And that's what I heard time and time and time again. Um, and, it, and it's just, they just didn't really care about the author. They were, a matter of fact, at this, and I have, I have it on good, good uh, word this, that this is true, but literary agents were invented because the publishers weren't necessarily wanting to deal with the creatives. Uh, and that makes sense. I mean, it's like, hey, Joe, go out there and find some good authors and you deal with them and you talk to them and you review the manuscripts and you get the manuscripts in great shape then you bring it to me. I'm exactly the opposite. I talk to them from day one and some of, some of my authors have, have not written a word. They just have an idea of what they want to write. And I have brought in ghostwriters and made it happen and did the whole thing for them. Um, and they all have different reasons for wanting to do that. I had, I had one gentleman who came in without an idea in his head what he wanted, but he knew what the goal was. The goal was to sell his company for more money. I thought we can do that. So we came up with a concept and branded him and he ended up publishing three books with me. And the day that I saw the big headline in the Dallas Business Journal, he sold his business without having to sell his soul. I thought that was pretty good, but that was, that was our goal. It was kind of like, and now I think he's in the wine country or has a wine company or something. Not a bad transition. And, you know, I love what you're saying here. In today's, uh, at least on the coaching world, I feel like there are so many of us who, A, we want to get into writing. We might not be writers. We love the work. We want to create impact. Um, but yeah, we didn't take the creative writing courses, not in college, <laughs> maybe not since grade school. And a lot of us also question, um, what is in it for us? You know, we hear the phrase thrown around a ton that, oh, you don't write a book to make money. You, you write a book to become a speaker or to, or to get speaking gigs or go on tour. And I'm hearing from you, you know, there are many reasons why to write a book, but there's also a way that you can do it that serves the people you want to serve, but also serves you financially, which this sounds like ethical growth. Like this is what we coach people on, how to create what you want and build more abundance. So for those of us who are newer out there too, 
publishing and might have an inkling, a desire, um, where, what is it like to begin? What's that initial phase like that you, you walk people through? Beginning comes in so many different, there's so many different ways. The example that I just gave you about the gentleman that came in and he just had a goal, you know, so forget about beginning. He was, and he had the end in mind. So we, we started with the end in mind and what can we do to get him the, the uh, result that he wants. So that's kind of like the opposite of publishing. That's more, you know, ad agency kind of PR, starting with PR and, and figuring out, oh, a book can help you toward your goal. Other people, you know, I may have, you know, I publish for a lot of very successful people who... An example, I published a book for the gentleman who was uh, the CEO of Xbox, and he was getting ready to retire. And at, he had the option of retiring at 55, and I'm sure financially he was going to be fine. And so we created a book that helped him really take the leap into his next life. At 55, he had plenty of years left to really create a new, who does he want to be now? And he was referred to me by a president of, of Microsoft who did the same thing, retired at 55. His book helped him in his new direction. Um, so it can be used in so many different ways. Um, some people want to make a lot of money. Some people honestly don't even care about the money. I um, I have a, a woman right now, we just published her book. She wrote the story. She was Mary Kay. Um, if you're familiar with Mary Kay, the cosmetics company, she was Mary Kay's assistant for 25 years, worked for the company for 40 years. And she wrote a love letter uh, to Mary Kay. I mean, she just adored her. And, you know, they have representatives all over the world who, um, sell to this day they go out there and they sell and they have little parties and uh they make they make uh the company makes a lot of money it's makes billions um and she wanted to share um the story of mary Kay and, and was donating uh all of the money to charity and i thought she must be rich but she's not i was really surprised about that uh and uh, a big part of the charity was the mary Kay foundation and then mary Kay, the company sued her but anyway that's another story you can google it it's really good great pr <laughs> we got front page stories that was it's still going on right now but we'll see how it ends but she's darling she's a sweet little grandmother never sue a sweet little grandmother it doesn't look good but anyway her books have sold i mean just off the charts uh, everybody's buying it because I think a lot of people want to find out why or why would they sue or what do they think is in the book. But uh, that's that's an aside. Um, I do children's books and I, I have a lot of people who just have uh, they want to write for little ones. They want to either educate them or entertain them during the pandemic. Two of the best book sellers I had. One was about manners for little kids. I think parents finally had to spend time with their kids and got to see what they were sending off to school. <laughs> um, and then uh, that book is sold like crazy. And then another book, it's called uh, Backyard Birding. So it was, you know, get your binoculars, kids. We're going to go out and look at just track down those birds again. So um, those books sold well before, but those were some of our biggest sellers. Um, but I have a, I have a book about Vietnam that we've been doing PR on it for five years. And um, I have a, 
I have a PR, my publicist, my PR manager comes from New York and she was a publicist in the big, in, in the big apple. And when COVID hit, I thought now I can recruit all of these, these people from New York, they'll finally consider coming to, to Texas. Uh, and some of them still don't, they still wanted to live in New York. I mean, it was a ghost town and, and they weren't even going to the office. You know, I just, I, I had given up on it because they just seemed to like New York, but I don't, I don't get it. But uh, anyway, I got my PR manager, she's here and she was, um, you know, when I told her we've been promoting the book about Vietnam for five years and she's, uh, she said, what are you talking about? You promote a book, you know, for a couple of months when it comes out because she had worked for the biggest and the best publishers in the world. And I said, no, 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 that's not how it works with relationship publishing. If that book will continue to sell and the author still wants to talk about it, sometimes people after a year, they get a little over it and they, you know, they'll either go on hiatus and then come back later, or they just write another book about another subject. Everybody's different but he still loves talking about. Um, and I think maybe some of that is because when they came back from Vietnam, they were spit on and they did not get any recognition for the job they had done. He was a helicopter pilot that saved so many lives. And or he's like a hero of Vietnam and a wonderful, wonderful man. But I publish all, I never know who's going to walk in the door next with what kind of a book. It's really so exciting. I couldn't, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't doing this. Millie, do you think everyone should write a book? I, I noticed like with Amazon right now, anyone can basically, you know, you rewrite 50 pages, you call it a book and you publish it on Amazon. Um, what's your thought? What's your feeling on how that, like it's become so accessible for people? Do you have um, an opinion? Well, I don't know if I've been, uh, darn. Um, uh, 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 no. Um, the... Uh, my biggest pet peeve, I mean, my, the, my least favorite word in the English language is self-publishing. Um, and the reason why is um, there are, when you go into Barnes and Noble and you buy a book, you don't think, you don't second guess, you don't even think about the fact that this is going to be anything other than a good book. Now, if it's like going to a movie, you might not like the movie after you walk out, but still you know, the production values were good and it got some good reviews or you wouldn't have gone to see it probably. Um, books, it's pretty much the same thing that they're uh, vetted by professionals. And um, it took me many, many years to get my books in the bookstores because my business model was different. And I think there was a lot of pressure to keep me out and keep me down. Um, you know, matter of fact, I'm sure there was. Um, but you've got to have distribution. And um, anybody being able to write anything is, uh, is very, very, very scary because I have purchased some of those books on Amazon. And those aren't really books. And I, you know, I secretly have, I'm not going to volunteer because I'm too busy, but I have, um, I would like it if the publishing industry could have some kind of a, like the movies, like a rating system. I guess this is a one star or a two star or three star uh, from certified professionals. And that would keep people from wasting their money buying a book, they get it home. And like you said, it's a 50 page, it's a pamphlet. I wanted a book. And 
And so you just have to do your due diligence. And most people, um, you know, there's a big speaking organization, and I will name no names, that um, that they they tell all of their members that they have to have a book, a book. That's what they say. And there's never a mention of a good book. And, you know, uh, one of the first authors many years ago, I published a book for a gentleman who came in to see me and he had already self-published this book and I reviewed it. And I think it had, I can't remember how many mistakes. Uh, some were kind of large and some were just, you know, but most people wouldn't notice it. And I, I had to issue a cease and desist. And I said, you will, you will put yourself out of business. I said, you have to quit. You cannot give this book to one more person. Now he was in the finance world and, and I had to tell him, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, if you wanted me to, to sign over my portfolio to you. And I read this book, I said, I would run screaming from you. I said, not that anybody is perfect, but I have to believe that the person that handles my money is perfect and he doesn't make mistakes. And if I see a book that has mistakes and it's not necessarily well written and I'm going to, and it's sloppy, I'm going to assume that's how you run your business. And he didn't, but that would be my assumption. And so um, he said, but Millie, I printed 5,000 hardbound books and they had a dust jacket. And I said, well, you know, uh, you're just going to have to have a big bonfire then. I, there's nothing I can say. You, you cannot even, you know, sometimes if you have a book that has like a couple of mistakes in it, you can kind of give them away. Those will be the ones you give away to people if you, if you need to do promotional pieces or whatever. And so anyway, we ended up redoing his book and he, um, we changed the title. We put on a, we gave him a, a not, cleaned up all the, everything in it, gave him a great cover. And he started having more and more employees. And every time I turned around, he was taking more space in the building he was in. And uh, then we got, we sold his book uh, internationally and it, he didn't get a lot of money, but it made him an internationally published author, which was great for, for credentials. Um, and then, uh, oh, we did an ebook as no, not an ebook. We did an audio book. And then he got a phone call from McGraw-Hill. And McGraw-Hill wanted him to do a book about investing for them because we put him on the national stage. That book was so good and so well received and sold so well that all of a sudden he got the attention of New York. He did a book for them. And then uh, we had our 20th anniversary celebration and he came up to me that night and he said he had started a new company and he wanted to come and talk to me about a new book. And when he's done three more books since then, and when he came back, he autographed it. Uh, no, in the acknowledgements of the book, he said, it feels good to be home. And that's, you know, that's what we do for authors that there's no warm fuzzies in New York from, it is my understanding. This really feels like, uh, we talked before, you know, I named you the people's publisher. What I'm hearing is there is a huge difference between trying to go on it alone, right? Oh. Whether we see the mistakes or we don't see the mistakes and actually getting the support needed to take an idea and bring it to excellence. I mean, an internationally published author, that is nothing to pat an eyelash over. That's huge. It can really be changing like it was for him. And you mentioned, you know, speaking organizations recommend people have a book, they don't qualify good or, or bad. And 
probably there's a reason why they can't guarantee every speaker will have a good book. But how have you seen that that change during your last few decades working in this business, the relationship between speaking and publishing and really the impact it has today? Well, today, everyone must have a book. I mean, if you're going to go out there as an expert, an authority, and a spokesperson, you are expected to have a book. I mean, it's, you know, 25, 30 years ago, people would say, oh, if you have a book, you can send it to us before we book the speaker. Uh, today, the, if you don't have a book, it's, you know, well, okay, what's wrong with this picture? You're an expert, you're an authority, you're a spokesperson, why don't you have a book? Because everybody has a book. So it's, it's pretty much expected. Uh, and most people have two or three books. So um, it's just part of doing business where in the olden days, you could send somebody a brochure <laughs> uh, that, you know, your book. And I hate it when people come to me and they say, I want a business card book. Um, that's a that's a lower level. I'm looking for bestsellers. So, you know, a business card book, uh, it, you know, people don't really understand. That's that's that says to me promotional piece. Well, I don't I do. I'm not here. Uh, I'm here for the 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 author, but I'm really, really an advocate as much for the reader. So as much as you want to promote yourself, I want to make sure that it doesn't just come across as you promoting yourself, that there's a lot of value that the consumer is going to get out of it. Now, today I have, um, I have over 36 sales reps that go out across the nation in six areas of the country. And before we send them out, we, for, we have two seasons. We have catalogs. Uh... Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. We put, we put our authors in uh, catalogs and then uh, the... Uh, the authors uh, are then promoted to the 
to the sales reps, um, it takes us two days to do that because we want to go very slowly and go over everything and anything we've we know about the authors. Uh, and you know, when I called, when I trademarked, I trademarked everything. Relationship publishing. Uh, it was because that was my. That's how I like to work. I want to get to know my authors. I want to, um, you know, really be an advocate for them to help them be successful, to take their money and have their book not sell, I think would bother me more than them. Um, because their hopes and, and they understand there's nobody's going to promise anything because I can promise a good book. I can guarantee a good book, but I can't make people in the world do my bidding. I can my employees, <laughs> but once it gets out there into the real world, it's, you know, we've got to, we've got to earn that sale. And one, I, the, the, I've got an email that just came in today. I'm just going to have to read it because it just came into my inbox from one of my authors. You'll love this. It says, I just wanted to take a minute to tell you ladies, thank you for everything. Sometimes I can be difficult and all the time, uh, sometimes I can be difficult and all the time I'm a wee bit, okay, a lot, blonde, aka airheaded. Hey, hey, um, y'all have gone above and beyond for me and I so appreciate it. I make sure the rest of the writing world knows, I make sure the rest of the writing world knows brown books because of it. I'm not sure about that. Thank you for pulling my thoughts and coming up with the absolute most perfect cover ever, ever, ever. Love you lots. You know, you are terribly blonde, very happy author. You know, I mean, how many, I get these, I have a book in my lobby full of just these little, you know, that wasn't a formal letter of, you know, now that the book is, her book's not done yet. Now that the book is done, I loved working with you. You know, this, that's just a little, she was having a, a happy moment. <laughs> And she wanted to just shoot off uh, a little uh, thank you. And that is to me, you know, that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, and I, I don't need people. I only publish for people I like. And I probably shouldn't say that. But, uh, you know, I just don't need any more. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I, I just want to, to, to to work with and for good people who I really believe in them or their cause or their mission. Um, and uh, that makes me feel good. I'm, I'm make I'm helping the world in that regard. That's a little grandiose, but you know, in the, in the, in the space of like coaching, this is the coaching show podcast. Mostly coaches listen to this. You know, if you go into the a bookstore, right, the the self-help, the personal development is like a packed aisle. I know it's one of the top selling, you know, aisles in a bookstore. Especially now. Why do we need, do, do, co do more coaches, do more thought leaders, do more, you know, mindfulness kind of experts like this need to be writing books? And if they are, if you think so, how is it helpful for a coach to write it, like to, for a coach to come to you and with their book idea? Because of what you just said, you just kind of answered the question. Because there is so much competition. How are you going to stand out? If I can somehow get my hands on your book and I read it and I like the information and I like you. All right. And that's 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 so important that you're likable, um, whether you had a ghostwriter and they made you sound likable, more likable or like yourself um, 
or if you, however, it's got to be edited with a special tone, uh, especially if it's someone that is going to be in self-help. I'm not going to go to somebody that sounds like a jerk that's going to help me um, get over my mental problems or my phobia or my knee injury, whatever it might be. Uh, I want someone that, you know, so you put enough stories in there and people go, oh, wow, he just, <laughs> he really, and you just, you want people to get a feel for you, you personally, as well as your expertise. Um, I am, I am, uh, you know, I can't, ex I'm still frustrated because I have a, uh, a hormone doctor. And I told her, I said, you know what? I would have come to you probably 10 years earlier had you had a book because I really didn't understand what hormones were. And I didn't understand how you work with hormones or what you, how that really, I hear just enough bits and pieces and you Google and then you really get concerned because uh, you don't really, now you're really confused. And I said, if I could have had an opportunity to sit down and read your book and digest and get to know you and your practice and how you work, um, that would have helped me, you know, I'm too busy to, you know, I Google a little bit here and Google a little bit there, but if, um, and I'll give you, I'll show you a great example. This is a physical therapist who um, I published her book, um, you know, physical therapist, and I don't mean to insult anybody, but there's a lot of them out there, you know. So, you know, the competition is really, really tough. You've got to have it in today's world. I think you have to have almost a tie-in with a hospital or whatever. But um, she uh, was, she was with uh, alignment. Uh, she was really out there promoting alignment before anybody. And she, uh, we did her book, and I don't know if you can see this, but the book is, we had a photographer, we did tons of pictures, we brought, to, we brought in a cartoon artist, we brought in a line artist, we, uh, she worked with a lot of um, Olympic athletes. Uh, professional athletes. We put their pictures in here. We have some, um, a little bit of everything. And now she had this, people would come in to see her. She would have this book sitting on, oh, and it won an award. The year it came out, it won best sports. It was health. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a big award. Uh, and which really, you know, it didn't make her any money, but in the long run, it was great to add to her resume and you know people would pick up this book and they would look at it now think about it when you went in to see her you had been referred to her probably so you heard she was good but now you're waiting to see her and you're looking at this book and you're going oh my god you know all this and of course she did um but you didn't really you just wanted your you know your knee fixed and um she just was the best of the best of the best, but you, you when you interview somebody about using their services, they, they just talk to you about you want what you want to know. A book opens up the opportunity for you to really impress people with your expertise. And um, you know, this was one of my favorite books because it was it was so diverse, and we put a little bit of everything in here, and uh, it was fun. One of the more fun books I've done. A little little on the expensive side, but. I think when you just, you know, look at what, you know, so you have a degree like every other person out there and, um, you know, your book is going to be your opportunity to, to stand apart 
so it's worth making the investment. You know, I, you know, if somebody can't afford a book like this, I wouldn't even mention it to them, but it's a good idea if somebody has the budget for it. So, you know, I publish all kinds of books and it depends again, what the goals are. You know, we're, I've got everything in place. I work with, uh, we've got agents all over the world that uh, are looking to bring good books to different countries. So we, we have what we call English export. We export our books to countries that speak English. Um, I mean, I finally, we're, we're three companies. So I've got a publishing company, a PR marketing and social media agency, as well as um, a distribution company. So from that little disruptor all those years ago, that couldn't be a publisher. I just had free, I, I could just do what I saw was needed in publishing. And, and here we are today, just, and we're still blowing and going. <laughs> Millie, that is why you are such a powerhouse in my eyes. And you know, in my coaching conversations with clients, I have multiple who they want to write a book or they have been writing a book and they hit these roadblocks repeatedly. And having been in this business for so long, I'm curious, what are the the roadblocks you see people run into that you can really step in and just take them out of their way and get them to where they want to go? What is, what is really the, the support and aid that you give that you just know will turn things around? Um, probably, and this is probably true in, uh, in a lot of industries, but people who are trying to take the inexpensive route and it's like, well, I can do that myself. And well, can you? Okay. Um, the uh, my little blonde author here that loves her cover. Um, and, and what she was referring to is she wanted to do her own cover. And we won a few rounds about. Uh, and she was sitting, and she thinks she considers herself to be an illustrator, but she's got. A, a PhD in healthcare and she does all these other things and she's wonderful, but her illustrations were not, I mean, they're, they're, they might be okay for something, but they weren't okay for a book cover. And so I try to keep people uh, out of their own from hurting themselves that they, um, they just uh, think, uh, and she did a couple of covers and, and we had to keep saying, Oh no, that's so cute. But no, um, you know, that's not, we just let us, let us do this. And so, um, we work with people and because we're providing a service and I hate to use the word publishing because we're not a service company, we're a publisher, but these are, it is part of publishing. So when people start getting in our way, um, and, and I know that they're going to hurt themselves, I will step in. Usually I have great people and I let them handle everything and I never, you know, I it just, uh, next thing I know, they have a book. Uh, but when there's someone that is just, um, because I publish for so many powerhouse people who are accustomed to telling people what they want and everybody says how high when they say jump, I originally in our very first meeting, I say to them, now I would not go into your company and tell you how to run your company. So you just know you don't come into my company and tell me how to run my company. Okay, deal. All right. Well, yeah, it's a deal for about five seconds. But uh, at some point, I know that little control freak is going to surface. And so if I get called back into it, then I have to put them back in their place again. <laughs> and I can do it. I, you know, it just, um, but 
you know, people, I shouldn't have to, they should just come in and ask enough questions to form um, a good, a good decision. And if they feel that, you know, my person is not doing what, what editing, think about editing a book. I mean, you could have somebody just challenging you on every word and I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I interview every one of our authors. I, I spend 15 minutes when somebody sends in a manuscript, I will not talk. I will not have anybody review their manuscript, even look at it until I've talked to them. Cause I can tell in 10 minutes if I want to publish for this person. And one of the questions is, how do you feel about someone editing your book? And if somebody says, oh, it's ready to go, it's good to go. And then I'm going to ask them this follow-up question. And if I get a sense that this person is really wanting, uh, you know, a publishing services company, not a publisher, then um, there's plenty of those around. You know, I, I was the original Pandora's box, and I hate to say that, but I created a different a business model that had to do with money. And the vast, vast, vast majority of people that have followed behind me, they don't, they don't give, they, they could care less if your book does well. It's just like, okay, here you go. It, it's an assembly line. And they, they're not looking for repeat business, and they're not really a publisher. So, um, but yeah. Uh, I have, I have two questions for you. One is a selfish question, but I think there's people like me who didn't know what they were doing, but also didn't know what was available. If somebody like me who has, this is my book. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of it. It doesn't, it's not a pamphlet. It's a, it's, it's legit. Um, uh, if somebody like me wanted to, you know, who had published pretty much on my own, wanted to like republish and have, you know, your PR and your team and your muscle and your ex expertise behind it. Is that something that's doable? Like to take something, right? Obviously you'd have to like it and, and see, you know, like you'd have to like me, we haven't established if we've gotten there yet, but is that a possibility to take something that's already been created and either, you know, clean it up, make it better and republish it? I love it. It's one of my favorite. We used to have it on the website. I think it, there, it might, there might be uh, my website people, did, they do a great job, so I don't know what they've taken down, but there used to be a division we had, we used to call Extreme Publishing Makeovers. Um, if not that, they still have some before and afters, I think. People that self-published and we came in and um, created either a, a new book or a um, um, just sometimes there's there's stipulations because sometimes um, my PR manager is huge when it comes to she because I, I used to like to do second editions with some of those and she she wants to start from scratch she wants to turn it into a new book so technically it's a new book with 20% more content. So we just change that content 20% and we give it a new, and sometimes it could even be a new subtitle and we put a new ISBN on it. It's a brand new book. So now you can start from scratch. Now she can go out there. She can start pitching your book to all the powers that be that would be interested in promoting it and start like it was, it was uh, just a brand new book. So yes, I, I really, um, I, get personal enjoyment from doing that because I really feel bad that people have, uh, they didn't know any better. You didn't know what you didn't know. And um, it seems simple 
you know, if I wasn't in this industry, I might have self-published because I think I can do anything. It's like, well, how hard can that be? Well, I just went to the next level and created a publishing house. <laughs> how hard can that be? I'll make it happen. Uh, so, and that's what I tell my authors all the time. I mean, I'm looking for people who have an attitude of um, make it happen. Just make it happen. We're going to get out there and we're going to do it. That uh, If we accept a book, it's because I feel it can be successful. I'm not going to take a book and we're all sitting in a, in a team meeting going, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> it's like, um, the, I, we don't work that way. I mean, I have to, and I'm an idea machine. And if my ideas don't start coming to me right from minute one, uh, we got a problem. Um, so, and, you know, I can pretty much figure out how to market and how to sell just about anything. But if I get stumped, um, then, uh, and they actually, uh, I did have a, a gentleman one time that came in and he had a, he wanted a book to promote. And he said he had a, um, he had a, a company, uh, that, uh, call center. And I remember just sitting there going, hmm, call center. Cause remember, I have to think about the consumer who in the heck is going to want to read about a call center. How are we? And I mean, I was just sitting there and I thought, wow. Uh, anyway, we ended up um, branding the author as the champion for the little people because of the way that he handled his call center and his people. And just some of the things he told me is when I interviewed him and he was telling me about how he would do, you know, these carnivals and people would dunk the CEO and, you know, just to motivate the people. And I thought, the day I have to be dunked to, to motivate my people is the day they can all walk out, you know, but you're a different person than I am. You know, saying, what? But all the things that he did, uh, we got him on a national circuit going around talking about because he became the example, the epitome of it was people versus profits. And we, we did all that. So, um, you know, everything for the most part, but I thought that one was going to stop me. Because call center, I got stuck on call center and there was nothing that was coming to me. <laughs> Millie, as we get uh, towards the end, I want to make sure we get in. If somebody, you know, if, if Craig, Craig needs a book because Craig doesn't have a book. So if Craig had an idea right now, what's the, do you have, is there like a five, 10 step, pro, is there a process that, right? He's sitting at home, he's listening to this, he has an idea, he knows he needs to get a book out there because he'll never be the sex and executive coach that he could be without it. What does he do next? Billy, please help me. Please, please help me. <laughs> I can't believe you don't have a book. I just knew that Boardroom to the Bedroom was a book title. Right? I mean, Done. <laughs> I gave you publishing for people. I'm going to take that as my book title. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, that's, it would need a little clarification in the subtitle, but, <laughs> you know, because it might get shelved in the wrong section in the, uh, in the, in the, the adult uh, section, in, in the adult section in the local video store. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have to clarify that a little bit, but that is, it's provocative and, you know, that's good for getting people's attention. Um, you know, to go back to your, your question earlier, do I believe everybody needs a book? I really, really do. That's why I started Personal Profiles, Family History Books, because I felt that everybody that's ever lived, my, my whole uh, campaign for personal profiles was to make use guilt and I wanted guilt to be my um, that was going to be what 
propelled me to uh, the level of success that I wanted to have is to be able to say to people, have you done your mother's personal profile yet? How about your grandparents? Because I really felt so, so passionately about people not being forgotten. And, um, you know, and, and it just, we still do personal profiles. I just did one, uh, uh, just got a book in yesterday for, you know, so we're still doing that, but it's a division of Brown books because we have so many divisions and, you know, I love my business books. We've got a rock and children's book, but if somebody has an idea, um, they can, um, you know, if they wanted to call me, I mean, I'm, you know, open to consultation because, uh, but I don't want someone, all right, I'll t just tell you this short little story and it'll explain where I'm going with this. Uh, when I was in the early days, when I wasn't as, bu as busy as I am today, um, people would would call me and they'd say, can I come talk to you about an idea I have for a book? And I'd say, well, sure. And they'd come in and we'd sit down and we'd talk and and we would get so excited and just brainstorming and they literally would skip out of my office. And um, I did this, I don't know how many times. And then I noticed one day I looked up and thought, hmm, I wonder what happened to all those people. I never heard from them again. And I thought, what is going on here? I really was. They were motivated. I was motivated. I thought they were good ideas. Um, but I never, ever, ever, not one, wasn't one I ever heard from again. And I came to the conclusion that everybody has an idea for a book, but when the rubber meets the road and you have to do the work or pay a ghostwriter, if you think it's really good, come to me. I've got the best ghostwriters in the country. They'll do all the heavy lifting, but, you know, don't waste my time with, well, you know, I was just in the shower this morning and I, I, I thought, well, I wonder, you know, if this could be a good idea for a book. No, it, you really have to have thought it through it. And because I'm going to ask a lot of questions and you're going to, because I, as I said, I just don't have the time to waste, but I would love to invest my time, but wasting, mm -mm, mm -mm, don't do that. Millie, thanks so much for, for, I love your, I think me and Craig love your, your candor, your honesty, your directness. Um, thanks for being really like just truthful and authentic about, you know, your experience and what it's like to publish and what people should and shouldn't do. Is there anything that you want to leave that you haven't said or felt like you needed to say that we didn't ask you that you want to leave people with? I no, but I'll, I'll come up with something. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is, this has been a fun interview and I, you know, there's just so many people out there that suffer from magical thinking. They don't understand that this is a business and a book is a product to be sold and it can do well if you plan it like a business. If you're not impulsive, if you're realistic, if you have good people working with you, for you, um, you know, and that's, um, you know, it, you know, I, I never, ever try to sell someone. I actually, if I, you know, I, I need people to sell me actually, uh, because they're the engine that drives the machine because my business model, what I love about it is I cannot make you do anything, but Conversely, you cannot make me do anything. So we have to work together for the greater good of the book. And, um, you know, so that means that, you know, if you hire a, a therapist, you have to trust your therapist. You can't 
be trying to come up with your own therapy when you're sitting there in a chair trying to talk to someone who's trying to help you. And it's kind of like the same thing. Um, you know, I want to hear what people have to say, but I, I want people to, you know, understand it's a it's really a three part process for ultimate success. The publishing a, a good book, the promotion of it, and that's in today's world, there's so much more than there was way back when. So I said, we didn't even have websites or Amazon when I started. I don't know how we did it now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and then obviously distribution. Now I've got the sales teams. I've got people out there on your behalf, knocking on doors. We're here, you know, giving you all of our ideas. So, you know, think of it as a business and don't try to short. If you want ultimate success, if you want a, a, a large success, you really have to jump in with both feet and commit to doing the whole thing. But not if you can't afford it, because I, there's nothing worse than a grumpy client that is financially, uh, you know, had somebody say the other day said, oh, they want to get a mortgage on their house. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I want people that can comfortably afford to do this right. Otherwise, they're going to be stressed out all the time. And it's not a good experience if you're stressed. I want to I want to have a. Uh... Uh, a reality show or a podcast with you, Millie, where we just talk about how people, what people should and shouldn't do with all aspects of their life. And we just, it's like uh, life according to Alex and Millie. I would have so much fun with this. And we just like, you know, just say what we think and we don't worry about it. Um, Millie, thank you again so much for being here. I want to uh, tell people where they can find you, which is they can go to Brown Books, spelled exactly how it sounds, brownbooks.com. And do you have any social media or anything you want? Is that, is that the place to go? Or is there anything else that we want to tell people? Um, social media, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook. And, okay. uh, you know, my, my personal Facebook page is different than my business Facebook page. So you'll get a, more of a true sense uh, on the personal. But, <laughs> but I, it's, it's all proper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> more can I can you know more than I can say, but I'm excited to follow you, Millie, and keep on learning. Thanks for being here, Millie. Everyone, go check out Brown Books. If you want to publish a book, don't do what I did. Uh, it was a lot. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Do what I did. Write a book, get excited about it, and then take it to someone like Millie so she can help you be really successful with it. Um, I love what I did. I shouldn't downplay it. It's the best thing I've ever done. And I, uh, if anything, I wish I had somebody like Millie on my side when I was doing it. Uh, and second, check out Craig, not like, you know, not in that the handsy kind of way that we started with, but check out Craig at uh, Craig Cassie, C-A-S-S-E-Y.com or Craig Cassie, C-A-S-S-E-Y Jr. on Instagram. Craig, anything you want to leave people with before we uh, return the show to the, the, the gentle, firm hands of Christopher? You know, that's really all I have to say, except thanks to Al for the support. I am launching my Coaching Naked show, which is not me coaching in the nude, but coaching about all things humanity, helping us get real and get raw at what we're dealing with so we can create new results. So if you don't just want to hear my voice, but you want to see my very emotive face and facial hair, you can find that now on YouTube. Just search uh, Coaching Naked or Craig Cassie, and it will pop right up. I'm like terrified and excited at the exact same time. Uh, <laughs> and for me, if you want to know more about me, Alex Terranova, you can visit 
visit thedreammason.com. You can follow me at Inspirational Alex on Instagram. And you can check out my newest venture, Your Love Adventure on Instagram, Instagram uh, with a website coming if you want to reinvent the way that you are finding or creating love in your life. This is The Coaching Show. Until next week, hopefully Christopher will be back to save us all. We will see you then. Thanks. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.